over the past few summers, I've been able to meet up with a friend of mine who lives every summer in July in a very small village in southern France near the Spanish border. In this picture book story, in this picturesque storybook land, you see little villages along the river, the Ode River, which goes through there through mountains. And then there are castles on the tops of the hills that lie in ruins pretty much everywhere as you drive along the highway. It all seems majestic, but the land itself has a story. The land remembers a history between church and the people of God that isn't all that cordial, but instead rather fractured. The French know this area as Cathar country. In the Middle Ages, the Cathars were a people who lived this very simple, austere life, kind of like the way that the Puritans did when they first arrived to Massachusetts. The, the Cathars were this religiously fervent group, and they allowed men, men and women to assume roles in their religious lives that were completely equal. Something that drew the attention of Pope Innocent in 1209 to brand them as enemies, as heretics. And for the next 20 years, the church systemically eliminated these people from the countryside. Some of the castles that lay in ruins over the hilltops were their last holdouts. The atrocities that the church committed towards these people are too graphic to speak about in a sermon. The castles that remain are a reminder of this sad but continuing fractured relationship between the church and the people of God. That was 800 years ago when that happened. What about today? Let's look at Ireland. This weekend, Pope Francis has been visiting. The church, once again, this time, finds itself in a deeply broken, fractured situation with a nation that was once comprised of the most loyal and faithful people of God ever known to the church. If we compare the crowd from crowds from John Paul II's visit 40 years ago with yesterday's visit by Francis, we saw dramatic differences. We saw footage on the streets of Dublin that was less crowded with this Pope than they normally are on a typical St. Patrick's Day parade weekend. The people of God in Ireland are angry. There is a great breach of trust. The people of God are hurt. People's lives have been ruined. Many in the people of God have simply given up and gone away. But the kingdom of God continues to call us to seek. Jesus is urging his followers to know God more fully, whether they want to or not. The bread of life stories that we keep hearing week after week for the last few weeks, they all culminate in today's reading where this relational theme that Jesus proclaims that God and human beings can be aligned as one. Well, 
The bread of life part was confusing enough, but this assertion that Jesus makes that God is completely knowable through him is simply too much for the eyewitnesses to bear. I think it will be important for us to remember a couple of things. Remember that John's gospel is a text written by a mature, sincere community of faith that's recording received stories about Jesus in a way that the community has studied and practiced their faith for a good 60 to 80 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And remember that the ancient world occupied by Jews and by the pagan Greeks thought of God as present but wholly mysterious, unknowable, so that the assertion that this one God could actually be known in a personal way would have sounded to many as something offensive or just ridiculous. Of course, people who heard this originally went away. If God could truly be known, if God could truly know you, everything about you, and you could actually begin to know parts of God, you would not be able to be the same. Something would stir inside of you. You would be changed. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. People wanted to run, and so they went away. The relationship between Jesus and some of his followers encounters a fracture, a brokenness, a divide. Jesus is usually always in control in John's gospel, but he's not today. There's something broken between God and the people of God. We don't have to look very far in our society for fractures and division. They happen all over. But I dare say that any time we feel discomfort in our own relationship between God and ourselves, our gut tells us to seek isolation, when God actually tells us to seek community. We want to be in control instead of being present with God and one another. Think about it. Many times when things get tough in our lives, really tough, we become more private people. Our, our British heritage somehow seems to kick in as a society. We become more private. We don't let people in. We get very formal. And we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable with the people that we trust. We're better going alone. Being in control. While at the same time, we're falling apart on the inside. We somehow believe that God cannot handle our pain. We somehow believe that our community in the church cannot handle our pain. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Something about knowing Jesus kept the disciples with him. Deep down, they understood something very authentic about the life Jesus was calling them into. They wanted to stay close to him. Do we? Do we want to stay close to him? I think our answer is rather complicated. Because our Sunday school answer would be, oh yes. But our real answer might be a little bit more mixed. 
My walls of hurt go up from time to time. I know yours do too. So how do we confront the hurt and the horror and the great challenges we face in today's world? We ultimately have to begin by expecting that the God we worship is a God of love. That God sent Jesus into the world to show us how to love one another, how to love our enemies, how to love those unsolvable, twisted-up parts of our world, even when being loving makes us more vulnerable than we want to be. We are invited to consider that if our God is at, its, at, at, at the very core, pure love in its purest form— then maybe we can expect to find our redemption when we embark upon a lifetime of seeking out this love. When we embark upon a lifetime of immersing ourselves into this presence of love and blessing whenever we and wherever we encounter it, whenever we encounter anything that gives us the strength to continue connecting ourselves to God and to one another. In Jesus, God is personal. The fractured nature of the world through politics, through times of abuse, through war, and through times of horror, the fractures of this world can find healing through a personal God that at one point in his history gets physically broken in order for the new life of resurrection to fill all things, to renew and restore all things so that nothing can ever be very far from God ever again. So how do we connect to this personal God when the times are tough? How do we connect to Jesus when our hearts feel we can't even imagine him being near? Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of everlasting life. We have to start somewhere. There's far more to all of this than one sermon can provide. But our readings do offer us some guidance. But they also prompt us to ask questions. Do we isolate or do we seek community? Where do we start? One place might be to identify where we feel separated. Do we feel separated because we have purposely put a barrier between ourselves and God? Do we feel separated because we've harmed another or we've been harmed and we feel somehow that we cannot love ourselves or love God because of this separation? Or do we feel that someone has harmed us Maybe that's the place we begin, getting to know Jesus as we work to remove the barriers between ourselves, between God and us, between ourselves and one another. But we go further. If Jesus has the words of everlasting life, maybe we should consider paying attention whenever sacred scripture tells us what Jesus actually says. Love one another. Seek first the kingdom of God. Remember the lilies of the field. Proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. 
In another way, in St. John's words from his gospel, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. To get to know Jesus is to pay attention to his words. To get to know Jesus is to take his message of love and mercy and forgiveness seriously. To get to know Jesus is to take a step, one step, into a fuller life than you've ever imagined. But one where your presence and God's presence will become inseparable. And this requires your heart and this requires vulnerability. This new vulnerability will call you into living your life in a different way. Living a life where this new you, carrying the very heart of Jesus inside of you, learns to love people that you would have previously deemed unlovable. Or maybe forgive people that you would previously have deemed unforgivable. A life where this new you can transcend these challenges of our present age and to step into a life that you claim as truly yours, given as a pure gift from God, so that you can be loved as fully as you are able to be loved and in return, you're able to love others. And this all starts by not going away. This starts when you commit to be with Jesus and be one of the healers of this great fracture, of these great fractures that we see in the world. When you see the possibilities of a newly restored, healed, forgiven world that the kingdom of God invites you to champion Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of everlasting life. How will you find the goodness and mercy of God in the everyday? Our gut might tell us to seek isolation, but our God tells us to seek community. Be on the lookout. Look out for those in in the world who do justice, who love mercy, who walk humbly with their God. Jesus' heartbeat Beat strongly alongside of them. And then live your life alongside Jesus. Get to know him. Listen to what the words are that he's telling you. You'll never be the same.